What's up, hybrids? Welcome back to another episode of the Phantom Hybrid Podcast. This is Hanako, and I am here with Anthony, Lori, and Mike, and we are discussing the fifth episode of A Discovery of Witches. And I don't know where I want to start with this episode. Do we want to start with the sad stuff first, like at the top of the episode, or do we want to go into some other stuff? I don't know where I want to start. There were so many good things about this episode. Oh, can we just go to Ben? Can we just go to Benjamin? Let's get Benjamin out of the way because Lori, <laughs> when I tell you, I don't know what it is about the whole Benjamin thing, but Lori has been like, I knew it, I knew it. So, okay, Lori, because you've read the books and you know kind of what, what the background is with him, what is the big deal with his obsession with Diana and the whole, because I'm so confused. Like, I, I kind of, think I figured some of it out when I watched it earlier tonight, but I'm sitting here like so confused. Like, why is he so obsessed with Diana? I, I don't get that. Well, it goes back to Jerusalem because in Jerusalem, there was a vampire that had a child with a witch all those years ago. Mm-hmm. And the witch was thrown out of her coven and this and that and the child, you know, they both died. But the vampire... They didn't realize that vampires could sire with a witch. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, what he doesn't know is that the witch has to be a weaver, which is what Diana is. Has to be a what? A A weaver. weaver. Uh Aha. So Benjamin got his idea that he wants to have a witch child so he can control the witch child which children to get back at Matthew. So he has spent the last 700, 800 years raping and killing and locking up witches trying to get somebody pregnant. And it has failed every single time. Now, he got close one time before in Scotland, but I'm not going to go into that. But none of them have come to fruition. So that's his obsession. So he has been taking these witches for hundreds of years trying to get one of them knocked up. That dude needs a life. Like he needs some serious therapy. And he needs I was going to say he life. needs some therapy. He, he, he needs therapy. He's got some issues he needs, needs to Jesus. work through. <laughs> so, I mean, he's going Buffalo Bill without the well. It's like he's just like, like for real. Like this is just bad. Like, I, like he was just taking them. And- but but see, here's here. Well, I, I okay. I, I won't say what happens because it might happen. Well, actually, I'll say it. In no, book, no, no, don't, don't. If it's something that could potentially be a spoiler. That's right. If I don't want to spoil. Let's just say that. Let's not whole, say. Let, let's, let's not say. Let's just say that. The no, witch, no, 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 stop. no, 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 stop. no, no, no. You don't know what I'm going to say. Stop. Let's, no, stop. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. But this guy has been obsessed with the idea of a witch having his child because he feels also that he was, since he was robbed of his human life. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. To have a family. So he is bound to determine that he's going to be somebody's daddy. So it's not necessarily that he is obsessed with Diana. He's He's obsessed obsessed with what she was able to do as far as procreating. Okay, but you're saying... So you're saying that, technically speaking, that can only happen with the Weaver. So could be Satu as well. That but he doesn't be, know this. 
Right. He doesn't know that it has to be a weaver. Exactly. And nobody else, I don't think anybody else knows that Satu or Diana are weavers because I, I don't, don't think anyone's figured that out. Mm -mm. I don't think Peter Knox I mean, knows I'm about surprised Satu. I'm surprised Satu hadn't told them. She tells everybody everything else. She's like a Nigo Montoya. She's like, that is I am your the, I am the child. I am uh -uh. the child of the witch and the lion. You must respect That is me. your ace you in the hole. Was her. <laughs> like, God. I don't think Satu No. I, I don't think she knows that. Mm -mm. To be honest with you. No, she she knows. She yeah. knows. Yeah. Because she um remember the witch that was in thrall called her weaver when she when she right. released yes, her yes 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 and then when she went back to her grandmother her grandmother said something about now come learn to be your true self uh your or come learn your weaving oh, she said something but she did mention yeah. the word weaving and then i think i think satu said I feel like she said something to someone, but I don't think it was Peter Knox because, yeah, no, Peter would have tried to find some kind of way to still keep her under his control. Did she, if he knew it, that did she say it to Diana, maybe? No, the confrontation? because no. she didn't She didn't find out until after the whole after confrontation that, with, right. yeah, she with Diana. She hasn't seen Diana at all. But, think, but yeah. think about this. All these witches that have disappeared over the years, all over Europe, and America that have, or any place that have been found dead, mutilated, it was all Benjamin all along. I mean, it's therapy. just insane. Yeah, it's just insane. Therapy. That dude needs therapy. But yeah, so, because I was so confused, like, he kidnaps a witch that he finds outside of a, a, a club or whatever, and when he takes her into this First of all, where do these people find all these grubby looking, nasty looking abandoned buildings? And they're just, well, anyway. There, there must I mean, be he's, a, he's in Poland. They're probably left over from the Cold War. I mean, it's like they're probably tons. There are probably so many of those buildings in those, in like Bulgaria, Russia, Poland, Russia. Like they're probably the so many of those States. buildings. That's, yeah. But he took her from Germany and he took her across the border. I mean, right. That's, you know, that's you know that Europe, Europe's a, Europe's about as big as Texas, yeah, so it's like you, you you can literally get from get from France to Germany in like an hour or two. So it's not like it's not like he said he had to drive like thirteen hours. Yeah, like but from from Germany to Poland is probably like two hours. So so customs didn't check the trunk of his car. <laughs> he just I've driven, across I've the I've from I've driven from Germany to Austria. There's like they they're not checking like that. It's not and like also, e with the EU, don't don't they pretty much have open borders for the most part? Basically, because yeah, they can just go here and there. You can make, you can get on a train and go from go from Spain to Germany, this like that. True. This is true. So it's like, I mean, well, who's checking? Nobody's checking that shit. I don't know. You were thinking in this day and age that they're checking that kind of stuff, given what's going on with the world. But I mean, that's I think that's mm -hmm. a little bit too too deep. As far as the show goes, like they're not thinking all that deep. Okay, he took her over over the border, and then when he brought her in, and he was telling her, "You and I are going to do uh, great work together, my Diane." I was like, "What the fuck? Like, what is it? What is with this obsession?" Because, like I said, he only met her once. But now that you say that, Lori, that kind of makes sense as far as. Um, him even going to Satu, like, yeah, so you know Matthew has been breeding with his witch. 
I wouldn't have thought that that was his, you know, end game. But yeah, but then when I watched it today, I kind of felt like because he, I guess when he was torturing her and he was doing the whole Matthew Diana thing, I feel like that's kind of what Jaber did to um, Juliet, like trying to get her into that obsessive mindset with um, Matthew. But I thought it, I said, you know what? I said, he's probably pissed because Matthew took away his human chance of having children. And, and, you know, technically speaking, vampires aren't supposed to have children. And yet here's Matthew is with not just one, but two. And I think I, I, I started thinking like, yeah, he might just be a little bit pissed about that. But you know, better him trying to c- create his own than to come after those children. Because when I tell you, those children are going to be some of the best protected children ever. Like, I mean, just from Diana alone, like, like screw Matthew, screw the, screw all the the knights of the legion. No, screw all them. Like, if you have Diana, like her, her their mother. You got to get through her. But no, let's let's start from the top of the episode. Let's let's not even Diana and Matthew are given because that's their parents. First of all, Jack was like, if he come get these twins, I'm gonna kill him. I'm just gonna straight up kill him. Like Jack is in full Big Brother mode. He is like, nope, not even about to happen. He is he he is patrolling the the halls at set tour with all of those people in place. He's still like, nope. Constant vigilance. That's what he's doing because he's like, they're not getting in my brother and sister. I was like, okay, Jack. Jack kind of needs that though. He kind of need, needs something to focus on to keep from having to focus on. Okay, I don't get mad. Don't be enraged. Don't get enraged. It's like mm-hmm. he's just walking around. He needs so he needs a distraction to kind of keep his mind occupied. Yeah, I think that's that. why Isabel gave him run yeah. of the run of the castle in the grounds. Right. Because okay, so let's talk about let's talk about Isabel in this episode. I could watch Isabel smile for the rest of this series. <laughs> when they walked in, or even before they got there, when she was overseeing the decorations at Setor, her smile when she picked up the the christening cap—I've never seen her like that, and I love it. When they walked in, she's like fawning over the grandbaby. She's like smiling at Matthew, smiling at Diana. When Jack came in, she smiled. She was like, oh, you must be Jack. Like she was genuinely happy to see him. But I think the thing that touched me the most was the way she greeted Sarah. Yeah, Like she really greeted Sarah like an old friend with warmth, with compassion. And, you know, just she was very motherly to her and that's not a side of Isabel I don't think we've seen yet. Like, we've seen her be a little bit of that way with Marcus, you know, kind of, we know she has a fondness for him and she's protective, but to see that kind of joy and that kind of motherly, you know, behavior from her, we haven't seen it and I'm here for it. I am so here for it. I love it. She greeted Sarah like, like somebody who had lost their mate or lost their soulmate who lost their partner like she knows what it's like to lose that one person Mm -hmm. that is there the end like this is it for me like i don't need anybody else this is it 
Like she lost Philippe, Sarah lost Emily. And it's like, she understands that to a level that a lot of people don't understand. So of course, so yeah, I got it. I, I totally understood why she was, she gravitated straight towards her. She's like, I know this, I know it's hard for you to be back here. I got the flowers for you. You can go ahead and go ahead and say your hellos to Emily and, you know, commune with her if you wear and take however long you need. Just go ahead. You're good. Yeah. And I think I, the that, only, I, I agree. I, I thought that was awesome. I think the only thing that was missing as far as that goes for me, um, you know, I understand she had time to get to know Sarah and Emily and, you know, maybe not became friends, but they had a mutual respect for each other. And I think she does feel a, a, a sense of responsibility because Emily was killed there at set tour. But yeah. I feel like this would have been the perfect time for there to be a conversation with Isabel and um, Fernando, you know, just kind of embracing him into the fold and maybe giving an apology for the way that they treated him all those years ago. I felt like that was a missed opportunity in this episode because Fernando, I mean, Fernando was there and he had never set foot inside set to it before. He says it. So he's there and he's being supportive of Matthew and Diana um, to the point where, you know, later on in the episode, when they finally reestablished the Knights of Lazarus, he tells Matthew, not just that he wants to be a part, I, I want to be a part of your scion, a part of your family. That's a he huge thing. He wants to be on his thing. right hand, at right. his right hand. Right. That's a like, huge that's thing. And I felt, I yeah. feel like that was a missed opportunity for them to bring that kind of full closure um, for Fernando with, with the Claremont family, or at least with Isabel, if anything. Because something tells me, I don't think, I don't even think his his beef or whatever the case may have been, um, the issue was with Isabel was probably with Philippe for whatever reason, you know. But um, I, I I don't know. I, like I said, I feel like that was a missed opportunity. That was probably one of the only complaints I had about this episode. I just put that in the, the pile of all the things they left on the table for this series. It's, there's a lot of stuff there that they just whatever let's yeah. move on with the story i agree with anthony because the thing is that if he is standing there while they're doing the oath they could have just slid over and made room for him writing right um the no, other... i think i think i think i think they did that just so he could have that one moment with matthew as opposed to everyone else having the communal meth communal moment where they all took the rings and put their hand on the sword and stuff. I think that they needed for him to have that moment with Matthew where he's like, I want to be there for you. I want to be part of this and I want to be at your right hand. And I want to be, want you to know that I want to be there for you. And for Matthew to say, I would love that. I would love, I would, I would really like for you to be there. And for them to have that moment by themselves is kind of what they needed as far as, and not, not to have like, a moment where everybody has the same moment. Like he needed that moment, in my opinion. Okay. Here's another person who needed the moment. And uh, one of the other complaints I have about not just this episode, but this season, fucking Hamish is there. He's like in five the seconds. Episode. I got robbed. He did, does did he not have utter a line? A, no. no. <laughs> we see him in the church. We see him. At the dinner table, 
And then we see him standing around the table as the Knights of Lazarus are sworn in. Why is he not a part of that? He might already be one. Yeah, but we wouldn't know because, I mean, we haven't even heard him utter a word in this season, I don't think. Right. Because I think we've only seen him in one other episode. We're going to have to circle back to a discussion about the Knights of Lazarus. I have problems, but we're going to no, circle back let's, to that. Let's talk I about think, it now yeah. since we're there already. We haven't seen Hamish since the first episode, I don't think, but yeah. Uh, I, I want to say that Hamish has already been a member when Matthew was in charge. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm, I would have assumed he was already a member, considering okay. how close they were. Yeah. Okay, so, so, so what's, your, what's your issue? Just, just a little, just a little small issue. Marcus media seems like seem like oh, let's conscript these people into the Knights of Lazarus. We need the Knights of Lazarus now. Wait a second. So when Matthew was in charge, they were like, no, it was just Hamish. That's it. Like I, I had always. I guess my issue is I had always envisioned like them calling to the Knights of Lazarus to help them in whatever war or whatever conflict they were going to have with the congregation because that's what it was for, right? Like, to be like a balance of the congregation. Matthew doesn't answer to the congregation and he was put in charge of the Knights of Lazarus, which was created by Philip and blah, blah, blah. Where are they? Like, do they they exist? I think part of that answer, I think it was kind of brought up a little bit last season because um, they really haven't had any conflict with the congregation up until now. So I think there are some nights there that can be called upon, but I think maybe there aren't as many because, I mean, part of the discussion from last season was the fact that the Knights of Lazarus have not really been active for the last several hundred years because there's really not been a need for them. You know, everybody's been playing by the congregation's rules, so there's no need for the Knights to step in and do anything. The need okay, comes now. So, so as a writer, mm-hmm. what is the point of even having a discussion about the Knights Lazarus? Like, wh- Because, I what, mean, the what, need what came up. Matthew so? fell in love with a witch. That was clearly going against congregation rules, and that was going to be an issue. But there was, I get my point is there's no payoff for introducing the concept of the Knights of Lazarus than having Matthew and Diana, you know, probably needing protection. Then you got Margaret, who I assume Marcus would call the Knights of Lazarus to help them with that situation. And now we have them here. Oh, we're going to start the Knights of Lazarus. Like, okay, there has to be at least four or five vampires out there walking around who are members of the Knights of Lazarus. And there probably is. And Galagas I mean, is probably are, not, but... not a Knight of Lazarus because he wouldn't have left, despite how he felt. Well, I mean, think about it. They just decided this whole thing with the Knights of Lazarus in this episode because Matthew Sion was approved. So right, but now, do you, see, but do you see what I'm saying now? I mean, I see what you're saying, but let's be honest. They introduced it for a specific plot point, but as far as like going into all the detail in the history, they don't have time for that. Oh, it's, oh it's a, okay. 
you, you hit the nail on the head. They, they don't I, have time for that. What I'm saying is, we'll put that on the pile of the stuff that they never are going to ever get to. No, I'm, I'm not going to say that because if they are, if they end up doing spinoffs, especially if they end up doing Marcus and Phoebe, it may be introduced there. But this is just kind of like, it's kind of like what we always talk about them backdoor pilots. Like, okay, we're going to give you this information here because it might be important later. I mean, we still have two episodes. It might become important in those two episodes. You know, here's the thing. Marcus didn't have to conscript anybody who was in that house because he went to go talk to them. They accepted and volunteered. When you conscript somebody, that's basically like, I mean, it was it's like what Matthew did to Baldwin last season, you know, because Baldwin technically is a knight of Lazarus. And when Baldwin was like, oh, no, she got to go back to the congregation. Matthew was like, no, no, no. How about this? I call upon you, Baldwin, <laughs> to take <laughs> up your position in the Knights of Lazarus. And you are basically going to do what the fuck I tell you to and keep your mouth shut. Right. <laughs> you know, so like even looking at the previews for the next episode, it seems like Baldwin is starting to find his way down the line you know what i'm saying like he does he has no authority i mean jabert even says as much in this episode you know since we are lacking effective authority or effective, effective leadership, leadership i was like say yeah. it right to his face and again this baldwin doesn't react to stuff because the other baldwin he'd have been at he'd at least put up a fuss he'd, he'd have been he'd beat have, red in the face and he <laughs> would have been raising his voice he would have been how dare you? Do you know who I am? But I'm a the way, But the way Jabert has been talking to him, I was like, yeah, he's not going to do anything. And then if Matthew calls him and says, hey, so we reestablished the Knights of Lazarus, Baldwin can't do shit. He ain't going to be able to do shit. I'm telling you, by next episode, Baldwin is not going to be head of, head of congregation. He can't be. Because like Jaber says, ineffective leadership, you basically went there to try to, first of all, who goes to a christening and does the things that he did, you know, oh, I came to congratulate you and to order you to bring the, no, bro, you walked in with the wrong attitude. Do you not see who is sitting at the front of that chapel? The same one, the same one who threw a chain around your neck and almost choked you to death. And now you want to threaten her children and her husband, literally telling Matthew, I will kill you right here. Diana was like, hold the fuck up. No, the fuck you ain't. First of all, what, what was he thinking though? Like, dude, you come early and you have the conversation beforehand or you have a seat and have a conversation afterwards. Not in the middle of the freaking ceremony. He was trying to flout his authority in front of everybody. He basically tried to come in and say, I am the head of the Declaremont family. You're going to do what I say. And everybody else was like, hold up. Let's pick up all these eight godparents that just stood up in this chapel and said we would do whatever we need to do to protect these children. That includes protecting their parents. Baldwin came in. I'm going to tell you, this is what it is. Baldwin came in thinking he was carrying big dick energy. And then Diana showed him what Negan on The Walking Dead would call her beach ball-sized lady nuts. 
That's what happened. Baldwin thought he was going to come in and set the tone for everything and say, oh, I'm the head of this family. You have to do what I say, blah, blah, blah. And Diana was like, hold my drink. I'm, su- I'm, surprised, I'm surprised we didn't see her familiar come out because it was almost. Close. It was about to. Yeah, it, 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 was it was almost there. Yeah, when the walls oh. started crumbling, it was coming down. Yeah, yeah. Almost. She was on she fire. Was in flames. I, I was like, I oh, was shit, fire. here it comes. Yep. Yeah, but I love what Yisabo said though. And again, I know Hanako, I'm mispronouncing names. I, no, I like she that's good. No. <laughs> I, that just, close. I like what she did because she said, Jack, this is not the time. And she calmed her grandson down. Right. Because she knew that if he went off, it wasn't that gonna was go it. But he listened it. to her, which was awesome. But I'm telling you, that fight, they didn't stick the landing because Baldwin gave up. A little too easy with all that had happened before. He was like, fine, have your family. Walked out. No, 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 no. That was a little too easy. I know, but I'm just saying. He was like, okay, fine. No, he he wanted his life. Baldwin was like, you know what? He said, I have not lived over a thousand years to be done in by a witch on my own fucking property. No, not about to happen. He did say something interesting, though, when he was... Remember that conversation we had mm-hmm. the last episode about him not letting them go? Mm-hmm. You know, Matthew says, you got to let me go. And he's like, I can't let you go. He says, you have you have murder in your blood. Yeah. yeah. See, I so think, it is yeah. about it is about protecting. And I'm not... And it's not about protecting him and his reputation. It's really about protecting the Claremont family. Mm-hmm. Because if they, because if everyone else decides that that the blood rage is a problem, they're going to come and wipe him out. Yeah, and see, and he yeah. he he wants to make sure he keeps everybody close. He can protect them. Mm-hmm. Can you go ahead? We, we must go ahead and talk about them the if they go off by themselves. Well, I mean, uh, first of all, here's the thing. I think Baldwin has plans within plans within plans. I think that he's gotten together with old boy and I think that he sat down with Jobert, not Peter Knox, but he sat down with Jobert and he says, okay, because look, the goal that they want, and Agatha put in her two cents and I, I agree with her, they are determined to make them bring the twins to the congregation for testing. Okay, that's not their children. That's not their business. We know one's a vampire, one's a witch, okay? Um, what would happen if they would bring the twins there? Chaos. First of all, they're not getting the twins. And if they did somehow get the twins to be tested, who's to say that baby Philip and baby Rebecca won't go ham on them, even though they're like three weeks old? They'll be like be like Brian and Tommy and one of the WandaVision, just snap your fingers and they'll be like 80 years old. <laughs> right. First of all, but besides having to do with Diana, <laughs> right? Woman, they would have to do with Isabel and Marta, you know, mm-hmm. and Fernando. Mm-hmm. Gallagher is gonna come out of the They're gonna have issues. Issues on top of issues on, on top, top of, of issues. issues. Because you also got Marcus and Miriam. And now you had to throw Sarah. in Ransom. You got Sarah there and too. all those and people. Geraldine and Sarah. Yeah, you you got you got everything. You got the the goody all sops coven. I'm sure Hamish can fight. 
Agatha might show demon, up, you know, she was in all the, the demons. Somewhere. You gonna have that issue, you, right? They, they, they don't want that smoke, no. So we're, we're not we're not even going to consider no. the possibility that they would ever get their hands on the twins because that's just not going to happen. Mike's, Mike's- but I think Baldwin did raise a good point. He said, well, if you do this, you're going to have to take care of this Benjamin issue. Yeah, he's, he's been dancing <laughs> you know, around you, you that. But well, we already knew that was going to have to happen. Yeah, but they, you, you can't. Now you definitely can't run from the Benjamin thing. Yeah. Because now he's you know. officially his own... He now he's officially his, your problem. Yeah, he's officially his. Before it was still to a certain extent Baldwin's problem, but now mm-hmm. it's Matthew. And see, Baldwin is smart enough to know that he may not necessarily be able to handle the situation with Matthew. But now that Matthew is in charge of his own house, it's up to him. And he can basically wash his hands up and say, the Claremont's honored our obligation. He has his own uh, scion. It's up to him. But go, getting back to the, to the christening, all I'm going to say, and I say this with love, I do. Somebody needs to take on Sarah shopping, okay? She looks like a combination of Harry Potter, the, the three witches from Sleeping Beauty, and, and my aunt. And maybe maybe I might have that same sweater in my wardrobe. She needs some help. <laughs> I'm just I, You know, I kind of looked at that too, and I was like, did nobody, like, get Sarah dressed up just just even just a little bit like I know right <laughs> I don't know but you know what I like it they let Sarah be who she wants to be and they let her do what she wants to do not, not just even Sarah just everybody there is kind of open to be who they are and that's who Sarah is so okay Monica, are we sure she wasn't wearing combat boots? Because I had a feeling she was wearing combat boots. Well, you know, I mean, she might have. But um, while we're talking about Sarah. What was Marcus wearing? I'm trying to see. What did he have on? I think Marcus was a little bit more dressed up than we're usually used to seeing him. Black lumberjack again? No, I think he he had on a... He had on a button-down shirt and he had on some slacks. I think he was. I think he was dressed nice for this one. Um, Sarah Marcus got some. Marcus has got some style. Those pajamas he was wearing. That um, that scene in the circle where she feels Emily's presence and you know speaks to her. When I tell y'all, I started crying at this scene because I was like, I wanted to, I, I wanted to see Emily. Like I wanted to see a shadow of her or something, even though I know that's not how that kind of magic works in this show. I want to see Emily, but that scene, you know, we've been talking the last couple of episodes about Sarah and how she's not really been able to deal with her grief and all of that. And the fact that she finally got to connect again with Emily, I felt a lot better about it. You know, I don't think she's happy, but I do feel like for the moment she is at peace. And that's kind of all all we can hope for her character right now because she's not going to be happy for a long time. But that scene was very touching. And then when they did the baptism and she did the uh, the reading of the names and she called out the names of the kids and the little girl's name is Rebecca, Ariel, Emily, Marta. And when she, when she looked down and she started struggling, I felt myself tearing up. I said, 
they had to put Emily's name in the baby's name. They had to give her an Emily's name. And when she yeah. said it, her emotion, I was just like, <sighs> she needed that. I was sitting there watching this at work. And as soon as she said, Emily, I was just like, <laughs> I can't be crying around plumbers coming in asking for parts and shit. So I had to like toughen up and like, you know, <laughs> okay, I'm good. I'm good. But yeah, that got me too. I was just like, man, why? And then the little boy's name is Philip Michael Addison Sorley. And I can't remember if we actually talked about this on camera when we were discussing it, yet, uh, when we were discussing episode four, but Sorley is actually one of Gallo Glass's names. So I thought that was really sweet that they, you know, even with everything going on, they, because of course they both have to agree on the names, that they both put that in there, but I felt so bad that Gallo Glass wasn't there. Again, I'm not liking what they're doing with this character, but I can kind of, I can kind of understand why he wouldn't show up for something like this. I think he would be touched. I think he could have swallowed his pride a little bit and been there. This is like a huge day. But, you know, I, I've never been in love with someone for over 400 years, 500 years, and then having to, you know, watch them be with somebody else. So I, I, I guess think, he's justified. I think that Gal Glass would have been incredibly touched, but I also think that Gal Glass probably would have felt a decent amount of embarrassment and shame over that no matter what happened his uncle still named his son after him yeah and i you know that you know how that you see sometimes when people kind of hang their head they kind of shuffle their feet a little bit they sort of back away into a corner that would have been him at the at the baptism yeah but it was so beautiful i mean the babies were gorgeous and they and they little snowy caps and their little gowns and they kind of big for being born like a month ago and uh, i don't i think it may have been a little bit longer than that because i don't think i think they would have waited a little while before traveling from england to france with the baby that's true but so i think helicopter yeah yeah that too and then also um if you look at the way that rebecca reacted to diana after she fed her right you know the giggling and just them reacting to the magic when diana was showing them the magic i think they they have to be a few months old at this point okay see i i i wouldn't know but okay i'll I'll take your word for it but the thing is is that here's here's what i love about this series and i i'm trying to remember other shows where we see this for a group of supernatural people they are extremely religious I mean, they're all up in the church. They're like, oh, hi, Father, how you doing? I mean, no burning, no fear of, they are in the church. Remember, a lot of that stuff was uh, just propaganda. This is true. Mm-hmm. This is true. Yeah. Um, and I have seen other series where the vampires are maybe not religious, but they have been in church or no, not I think about it, religious. Dracula. The, the originals Religious. are always at they, the they original all the time. Yep. With Father Karen. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Well, since, since we're talking about the christening, I just want to give a shout out to some of the um, some of the clothing like Chris. Chris was, Chris was sharp. sharp as a, mm. I mean, he was a Miriam. He had to put his best foot forward. Right. Yeah, but and, that tie and, and that pocket square, that yes. was on point. And um, Hamish for the kilt. I think it was incredible. Yes. 
which of course we only saw for like two seconds because they didn't show us enough of Hamish in this episode. Have I mentioned that yet? Maybe. And Phoebe's and Phoebe's dress, which Marcus pointed out, I would have been distracted too. That was a nice dress, but I'm going to go back to the kilt for a second. Okay. My, my, my husband, uh, we have a couple best friends who are Scottish and they, a couple of years ago, adopted Mark into their family. So we have our own crest and my husband has at least two different kilts. He took his kilt on the cruise with us. We tried to get the thing to work because he's got the buckle, you got the thing, you got the thing, you got the shirt, you got the thing. Trust me, when you get a kilt, it takes a while to get yeah, dressed. Kill, so that yeah, was kill, kill him honoring them. Kill, kill it takes at least 90 minutes to get that thing yeah, right. Kill, kill bitch to get on. That was but, love. But it's totally worth it once you get them on, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. All you, all you have to do is watch Outlander to see that. When Jamie Fraser, I'm telling you, the person who you live with that is related to you by marriage, she will agree with me. She's agreeing right now. She will agree she, with me. The jacket alone with the buttons. Do you know how long it took to iron that thing? I'm just this saying. You have to take it to the dry cleaner. Hey, this, what's this tartan? I didn't take it to the dry cleaner. What's this tartan? Does he know about the, the thing? Has he seen an ad where you can buy like one square foot of land in, in Scotland. Scotland and become don't, a lord? Don't give him any idea. <laughs> I've seen that. Don't give any ideas. <laughs> the, you know, actually, you actually he's got do that. I'm saying he's got two. And become I want to get like uh, yeah, just like so a stand and be like yeah. I, I, he's got two different ones, but we've got like I said, we've got the tartum, we've got the crest, we got the whole thing. And you, he's excited. Let me just say, he is never. You've never seen one more excited. He's like, I got adopted to a Scottish family. I'm like, you're half black and half Jewish. Wait, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I just want I just yeah, want to give I, a shout out to that to those those people. I would have loved to have seen that, but while we're talking about the prisoner, okay, so let's talk about this guest list. So you've got, of course, you've got Matthew's quote unquote immediate family. You've got Marcus there. You've got Isabel there. You've got Marta there. You've got Miriam. Chris has come over with Miriam, and it's so funny watching Miriam kind of corral Chris because Chris just wants to stop and look at everything. He's like, "Wait, I'm in a vampire mansion." I, I told the per. I, I said that would be me. I would want to be like everything. I want to see everything. Like really, mm-hmm. right? So that was funny. Um, let's see who else. The witch from uh, Goody Allsops. Uh, coven descendants whatever the one who peter knox kind of knocked out of the way she was there which i didn't notice until i rewatched it tonight um like i said hamish was there but of course we didn't really see him that much ransom and geraldine came over so that seems to be going well you know i guess they really have made their amends because they came in bearing gifts for the kids um And then you saw a couple of other people in the background, but, you know, something that Isabel said at the beginning of the episode, she was talking about sending out the invitations for the christening. And of course they did invite Baldwin because as Matthew said, even though he will not support us to not invite my brother would be seen as disrespectful and and kind of like an act of war. So, and I think One thing that I'm noticing or one thing that I've noticed in the last two episodes, you know, we've talked about how antagonistic the relationship is between Baldwin and Matthew. But I think 
in the last two episodes, and maybe this even has something to do with him having to make amends to the New Orleans clan, I feel like Matthew really would like for there to be a real brotherly relationship with Baldwin, especially now that the kids are there, because Matthew is all about family. We know this. And for all his arrogance and behavior and just the way that he is, Baldwin is still family. And I've seen it in the last couple of episodes where it seems like Matthew really wants to extend that olive branch. Even when Baldwin showed up in the church today and showed up late, the way Matthew spoke to him, he was really genuinely happy that Baldwin showed up. And then, of course, Baldwin had to turn and show his asshole colors. And then that just put all of that. But even during the fight, Baldwin literally threatened to kill Matthew and said, I will kill you if I have to. Matthew never threatened to kill him. He was basically like, he's holding him by the neck up in the air. He's like, um, brother, I really need you to reconsider my request for my own my scion. Like, request. Right. He was still acquiescing to who Baldwin was. And I just, I'm like, Baldwin, you just, you're, you're, you're not reading the room, dude. First of all, like I said, you come into this chapel and you issue a challenge like that. Like the funny part, when he starts talking about taking the kids to be tested, you saw Diana hand off Rebecca and Matthew hand off Philip. And when they're sitting there talking, you know it's about to go down when Matthew is standing there and he just ever so slightly unbuttons that suit jacket. Yeah, I, I was that. like, oh, like, he's getting some shit's he about know, to go down. He know he about to he unbutton that jacket. Okay, brother. And Diana just went, oh, this is what we're doing. Okay. Baldwin needs to learn to read the room. That whole situation could have gone so much better, so much difficult. And it was, it was funny because when that started off, Marcus was about to get in on the action. <laughs> it was really like... And I forgot who it was that held him back. And they was like, nope, this is between the brothers. But Marcus was like, oh, you touching my daddy now. I'm, I'm about to come whoop your ass. I was like, oh, I really wanted to see Marcus fight. But I it just, that fight. And I feel like it probably could have gone on a little bit longer. But at the same time, I was like, once Diana started doing that thing with her hands, I was like, oh, Baldwin is about to learn lesson number two, because obviously he didn't get it the first time. He didn't get it the first time she got in that ass. So he's about to get it again. And when he saw her, you saw him just look like, because I don't think the first time he knew where the fire was coming from. And then when he turned around and got a good look at her, that's when he backed off. He was like, oh, this is some shit. I don't want no part. <laughs> like oh you want your scion you know what she and and notice he didn't grant it when matthew asked it was when diana because he, he again i don't i don't think he's scared of matthew i think he's scared of diana especially now that he can see oh wait she went back to the past and and like really came into her power like he still hasn't told the congregation that yet no, it 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 was best with his head. She's on fire, but she's not burning. That 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 would. Con- I don't that think that would be. Me. You know what? Given his age and the fact that they there have been witches 
probably in that day and age that were that powerful, that probably is not something that would have shocked him. It may have shocked him that she's doing that now, because not only was she doing the fire, the wind was whipping too. So you have a witch doing the witch fire and the witch wind, something that again has not been seen in hundreds of years. And Baldwin is sitting there like, yeah, I think I might've just fucked up. It was, okay. it was Fernando that held Marcus. Okay. I knew it was somebody. I couldn't remember if it was him or if it was Ransom. It was, it was Fernando. I knew it was a black dude. Yeah. And I knew it wasn't Chris because Chris and... Um, he was holding Miriam. I'm looking at it right now. He's holding Miriam back. Okay, because I know he and Phoebe, when everything started going out, they, Miriam kind of steered them to the back of the church because, of course, they're human. Right. So they're the most vulnerable people in the chapel at that moment. Right. But, um, yeah, Baldwin. Well, she helped him out. He, she said she gave him some assurances. You know, if anyone steps out of line, I'll spill by them. Yeah. So he, he got some assurances to make him feel better about his situation. <laughs> That's what I think. I don't think think he acquiesced. I don't think he acquiesced out of fear. More or less, I think he backed off, but I think he acquiesced once she said, We'll make I'll I'll make some some um assurances. I give you some things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's who was like, okay, fine. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to give Baldwin the benefit of the doubt. I think we already said at the beginning of the season we were not doing that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Of the doubt. I'm going to edit this out. You can't. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but here's the other thing. So when Baldwin was on his way, when he was driving the set tour, you can tell he had, like he was trying to, I guess maybe convince himself, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Whatever it was that he had planned to do at that point, because we didn't know. Okay, I'm going. This is what I'm going to do. I feel like part of the decision as far as what he had planned to do when he got there was made once he walked into the sitting room and he saw how decked out it was. Like Isabel went to a lot of trouble to prepare a nice atmosphere for these kids christening. And I think that hit him like, oh, so everybody's just going to be accepting of this and and whatever. Like, uh uh-oh. My own family. That's kind of how I looked at it when he looked at, you know, the little, um, the little, I don't know if that was like a donut tree or something, but he just kind of looked at it and he looked around like, okay, so she's, she's totally on board with this too. So at this point, as far as the family that we do know he has, because like we said, he may have some other family somewhere that we haven't been introduced to, but at this point, Baldwin feels alone because everybody else is accepting Matthew and Diana and what they have done, basically spat in the congregation's face by going against the covenant. And everybody's like, yay, let's have a party. And he's just sitting there like, okay, yeah, let me go in here and start some shit up. Because he walks in and and there's demons, humans. Vampires mm-hmm. and witches and witches all together. Everybody mm-hmm. <laughs> for the christening of a baby's born of a witch and a vampire. Mm-hmm. And technically speaking, 
we still really don't know what those babies are because yes Rebecca would not. Um, she would not. Come on now. No, 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 no. Because think about it. What was it that Matthew said when uh, Jack said, "I hear his, I hear his blood singing." So does that mean he's a witch? Matthew said, "Well, the witch DNA is dominant." No, no, it's confirmed. She's a vampire. He's a witch. I, I was gonna say. I I don't think, I, but like Matthew said, because uh, Jack said some, when he asked about them being a witch, she said, I don't think it's that simple. I don't think they're just one thing. And I think that's part of, I think that could be part of the thing that Jaber is scared of. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, according to the book, you're, you're right. But according to the book, check, they're a blending of the two, mm-hmm. but one or I should say both has clear dominance to one side versus the other. I mean, yeah, that that's to be expected. Yeah. But what I'm saying is I don't think it's just one oh, no, thing. No, I mean, no, no. Okay, so we're going back to our throwaway, going back to Vampire Diaries, going right. back to the originals and right. legacies. Right. Hope Michelson, right. she is, I think now she is a tribrid, which werewolf vampire. vampire. But her primary... Uh, her dominant gene or her dominant whatever you want to call it is, is that she's a witch. Right. She's a quarter witch. And then dominant. she's a werewolf right. secondary. And then, and then she's a vampire right. third because that's a recent development. Right. Right. But she is all three. Right. But the witch part, like anytime you see her get into a scrape it's or whatever, witch. is the witch right. side of her that she focuses on more. So I think it's similar with these with these babies okay, like I'll yes Rebecca may be dominant vampire Philip may be dominant witch but as they get older if things start happening like we already know these kids have a target on their backs oh, probably yeah. for the rest of their life because no matter how this story plays out with Matthew and Diana and the scion even if they have their scion and it's successful there's always going to be people that are part of the old regime who will always try to come after them because they are unnatural. They are against the old regime, like Jaber says, you know. So, but I think unless they redo the congregation, like if they change, if they get what they want and they get rid of the covenant, then the congregation is going to be different. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that there aren't going to be, I mean, think about it. How many people the... (laughs) So let's talk about, <laughs> I'm just saying, think about your white racists, your white nationalists. Mm. Like things are different. Like we are not segregated anymore. You know, blacks may not be on completely equal footing, but we have more rights and more whatever than we did, say, 40, 50 years ago. Right. There are still some people here who don't like that. You know what I'm saying? So there's always going to be that one little contingent that no matter how things change, how things evolve, how things get to be on more equal footing, if the vampires and the witches and the demons are all able to get along, they're able to co-mingle, they're able to coexist and thrive, you will still have people like Jaber who are not going to like it and who may be accepting of it on the surface but in the back he's wearing his own version of a white hood 
You you get what I'm saying? Basically, so this basically what you're saying is what's playing out in real life. They're gonna start complaining that they're the victims, that they're the ones yeah. being prejudiced against because of A versus B. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, think about I, it the I way Javert that. even said it today. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I can't remember if it was actually in the episode or if it was in the preview for the next episode. He said something about, um, oh, he was talking about the kids, mm. talking about, you know, they need, he was basically telling Baldwin, you have to go kill your brother's kids because they are against everything this regime has ever mm -hmm. stood for. That regime is a thousand years old. And the fact that you can't accept mm -hmm. that things may have changed and evolved in a thousand years to the point where, oh, those babies could be the end of us. You have to go kill them. And Baldwin was like, I'm not going to kill my brother's children. But then he turned around and was like, I'll handle it. Bruh, you think you're going to handle it? You ain't going to handle shit. Well, I, I think that with your bear, which again, I don't know because I'm just I'm just guessing. I'm, I'm taking into account that maybe because Jaber has lived so long, they may have seen this maybe once or twice before and quietly handled it. Yeah, probably you so. Know, you know what I mean? But there, so. there's not about to be no quiet with Matthew DeClaremont oh, no, 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 and Diana Bishop. No, no, no. But, That's not about to happen. But getting back to the babies, the way Diana said to him, she goes, he goes, what are you doing? She goes, I'm feeding your daughter. Because it was Marta was the one, because you can see that Diana kind of had the idea about the baby girl, but when Marta said, mm -hmm. you know, maybe she doesn't need milk, and then when she feeds her, and then you see the baby perks up and all that, maybe Matthew, in the back of his mind, kind of knew that already, but he didn't want to admit that his daughter needed blood. Mm -hmm. Now, in the book, she combines blood with milk and feeds her that way, instead of her wrist. Mm -hmm. But it's still very traumatic for Matthew because he's freaking out, not because she's a vampire, but like the show, what if she's got blood rage? And like he says, you can't exactly, well, first of all, you can't control a two-year-old in the first place. What makes you going to control a two-year-old with blood rage? You might as well just right. like give up, go outside, you know. Right. But I guess we'll see how that goes because I'm like, okay, so... If blood rage is triggered by emotional, you know, if there are emotional triggers or whatever, what happens when this child throws a tantrum? What happens when she doesn't get what she wants? Emotional damage. <laughs> you know what? Mike missed it. I had to. Mike, Mike is over there looking at his phone. Missed he ain't paying it. no attention. No, because I knew you were going to fuss at me. I want to get fussed at. <laughs> But um, I'm just saying the first time you tell her that she has to go to bed or take a bath, oh, it's on. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, she's going to okay. yeah, she lose her finger. Talking, like, like, go to bed. <laughs> you know, she's going to be like Loki, like Loki and Alligator Loki when they, when they were fighting and stuff. Now, you know, she still got a witch for a mama, so ain't going to be too much of them tantrums, you know. Mm -mm. But let, let's talk about Jaber again, because I said it in the last episode, like Jaber's personality is a little bit different in this season. And you see it a little bit more when the congregation, um, when they gather. And what was it? Um, Agatha said something about, oh, so are we sanctioning kidnapping? Now he's like, it's not kidnapping. It's just, or, you know, it's just a little such, such. I was like, 
wait a minute, so he's cracking jokes now? It was it was just so weird because we've seen Javert be this kind of stoic, humorless person for the last two seasons. And now he's cracking a joke here. He's cracking a joke there. Oh, it must be so (laughs) exhausting to be you. Just some of the stuff that he's saying, I'm just like, I'm like, Jabert seems really, really relaxed for everything that's going on. Like, again, that really does make me think he's got something huge planned. I I think everything is just just going his way right now. It's like everything is... Mm -hmm. Is going the way he he wants it to go. The declare master. But let me tell you, Agatha, Agatha, in that mouth in that congregation meeting, because Satu was like, she's a disgrace to witches because no witch would ever spellbind a person like that. And Agatha was like, well, I would say let's put it to a vote, but since the witches are a little bit short, (laughs) we're short of. And then when you see it, she went. She actually rolled her eyes. I was like, come on, Agatha. School that girl. <laughs> Why the witches taking such a long time to feel Peter's position? What's that about? Because all the witches have gone underground. They're scared. Oh, they're running from Peter. <laughs> they're scared of Peter because Peter is off his rocker right now. Can you blame him? I'd be going too. See, it's gonna mess around, and and Dan is gonna nominate herself to be on the congregation. It's gonna fuck shit up. You know, I actually had that thought while I was watching like, the episode tonight. Is that why they keep focusing on that empty chair? And you think, okay, well, that means... Mm. That's what I think. I was like, yeah, that's the only way that... That's the way they're going to really... And I don't want to say bring the congregation down because if the congregation fulfills what they're supposed to be doing, their goal is to protect the interests of all creatures and make sure that, you know, they aren't exposed to the humans, make sure they're safe. Now, granted, we know that the vampires kind of take precedence in that because of who created the congregation and who sits as the lead right now. But if they fulfill their actual mission, then they'll be, you know, it'll be equal for all the creatures. And I really feel like the only way they're going to do that is for Diana to be on that congregation. And it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be out of the norm because her mother was supposed to be on the congregation or they wanted her mother on the congregation because of how powerful she is. I feel like Diana is probably 10 times as powerful as Rebecca was. So yeah, I, I actually did think about that when I was watching it earlier. I said, oh, wouldn't it be funny if Diana found herself on the congregation? The fact that you voiced that as well, Anthony, that that's a theory that's going to stick. Not a theory. But I did think the same thing when they talked about that chair being empty. Mm-hmm. And now that, now that y'all said, well, that's because all the witches have run the ground, then that, that, that leaves it wide open. Like, who's going to stop her from just... Right. You know, going there and saying that, oh, I'll I'll just take the seat. Right. Now here's something else that I would like to ponder. So after the events in the chapel, Diana and Sarah are sitting on the bed and they're having the conversation. And Sarah says, The power that you showed in the chapel, that was elemental. But why didn't you use your weaver magic? Why not use the knots? And Diana says, I thought about it. There was a knot there that I would have used if Baldwin wouldn't have backed down. She said, it's the 10th knot and it is the knot of creation and destruction. Now, they have mentioned this specific thing 
a couple of times in the last few episodes. And I just started thinking, okay, so creation and destruction, those two things are pretty self-explanatory. Now we have Benjamin trying to find a way to create his own children, his own, um, you know, not vampire children, but actual children, which children. You have Matthew who has just talked about going after Benjamin and he's using, you know, the kind of language, if I don't make it back, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I think it was Mike who said something earlier this season about he feels like something's going to happen to Matthew. And I'm just wondering, is something going to happen to Matthew and is Diana going to have the power to bring him back? Or like specifically, what are they trying to tell us with this whole creation and destruction thing? Like what happens when she finally grabs that knot? I'm just, I'm so I curious. I just think that, that Matthew really, I mean, I understand why he doesn't want, doesn't want her to come along, but he really doesn't need to go after Benjamin by himself. Especially fighting. He doesn't need to, but he's got to go after Benjamin. He, he, does, he doesn't need to do it by himself, but right. I just, I, I just I got to go. I mean, not, not by that's himself. Just a bad, that's just a bad idea all around. I mean, that's terrible. I mean, it's... And then, did, did he say he didn't want to use Diana as a weapon? But, like, dude, she's a freaking yeah, weapon. Yeah, but I, under, I understand what he's saying. <laughs> Well, I know his his perspective is he's been that 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 was his life for a long time was being a weapon, and I understand what he's saying, but no, she's not really a weapon. Y'all can take care of this together. You don't have to be alone in, in this, and it, it's amazing that he always feels like he has to do these things by himself. But he, you don't anymore. It's, it's part of that, you, have your you know, because because he was the one who created Benjamin and created him very irresponsibly at that. I feel like he's trying to take that burden on himself. And if Diana were to go with him and possibly get hurt, I mean, I don't think Diana has anything to worry about with Benjamin. But we see Benjamin has ways. He abducted another witch and kidnapped her. And that wasn't the only one. There was another witch there at the same time as Lena was. There was one called Gabriella. And according to Lori, he's been doing this for hundreds of years, kidnapping witches and torturing them and raping them and doing all this other stuff. So he obviously knows something as far as how to attack a witch without being sensed or without being seen. I mean, we already know from seeing Matthew and Peter Knox kind of interact with each other. Yeah, the witches have their power, but vampires have that speed and they can probably get you and snap your neck before you can get a spell out. Since we're talking about Benjamin and this Matthew thing, and at the end when he had, because we know it's a trap, of course, right? We know it's a trap. He put he puts the watch from Philippe in there, so I'm 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 gonna make a leap of logic. Is it possible that he was the one that had Philippe I was thinking and was torturing the same him? thing? That's why he has a watch, and that is gonna set Matthew off, and he's gonna go in there off his rocker, and that's how he's gonna take advantage of which. And I wonder if. That was how he got Philippe 
was making him think he had Isabel. Mm. Oh. Because I don't think that Benjamin would be strong enough to capture Philippe by himself. No, but, you know, um, the story is that Philippe was captured by witches that were in the employ or, you know, working with the Nazis. So, yeah, that. that that's, yeah. that's the yeah. story. But Benjamin but could have been know. part of that. You know, and I, I thought right. about that when I saw the Philippe's watch. I was like, why the hell does he have Philippe? I was like, oh, I wonder if he if he was the one who had that happen. Like he could have been he could have been fighting with the Nazis. I mean, I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But especially considering that would be something that the Declaremonts would be fighting against, which is exactly what Philippe was doing when he got captured. So, yeah, I thought about that, too. When I first saw the watch, I was like, oh, this shit just got so much deeper than we expected it to. Because if it turns out that he is behind Philippe's capture and his torture. And then Matthew had to be the one to put him down. Oh, you know what? That's going to be. That's going to be too much and yeah Matt, Matthew I think at that point Matthew will probably lose his control he's going to lose his control yeah, I think Matthew's going to go in there unbalanced and Benjamin is prepared and that's not even, even if he's more powerful than Benjamin that that might be enough to give Benjamin the chance to to catch him yeah but again benjamin don't want that game either because diana has already told matthew he was like promise me if something happens to me you won't go over him she said i will not make that promise and he was like diana she was like no that was one of those i said what i said don't you ask me again (laughs) i was like yeah matthew uh uh-uh there's no way she's gonna like if 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 benjamin kills matthew diana's Okay, so here's the other thing. When they were having that conversation and he tells her, promise me that you won't go after them. If something happens to me, this family of ours must go on. There are other people who can sit at its head. I was like, is he basically telling her that if something happens to him, you need to go be with Gallo Glass? That's that's how I took that. Am I the only one who, who... that idea never crossed my I, mind. He specifically said there are other people who can sit at the head of this family. I was like, huh, I wonder. I think that would be Marcus before Gallo. I think that's you and your Gallo glass. I, was, I would think it would be Marcus before Gallo glass <laughs> would run things, but. Well, you have to think about it in the the context that he said it. He said, I may be the head of this family, but you are its heart. Diana is going to leave that family regardless of whether or not Matthew is there. I think it's going to be who is going to leave that family with her. Now, granted, I don't know if that will happen. Gallo Glass may come in after all of this and he and Diana may leave the family together but not be together because I don't think Diana would do that but again I don't know enough of that backstory in that story because I haven't read the books and I know it's a little more extensive in the books 
I, I, I hear what you're saying. Actually I, I, I am not saying. saying a word about nothing. No, I, I don't want you to say a word about anything. I, I hear what you're saying, Hanako, but I think that's just part of your wanting Gallo Glass to have more. I mean, I, okay, so I, 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 would, I want I, him to have I'm more, like, but I don't want I, him to have, gonna be I don't want him to have Matthew's leftovers. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's it's gonna be Mar- it, I think he's talking about Marcus, and I don't think he's talking about Gallo Glass. <laughs> no, no, you don't. I don't know if I feel yet that Marcus is ready for all of that. And Marcus he, got his own things he got to be thinking about because Phoebe has point blank said to him, uh-huh, so how and when am I going to become a vampire? He was like, when? She was like, um, yeah, I told you we need to yeah, have we, a conversation. Yeah, we, did, we didn't talk about that, but we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But back to this. He he made Marcus the grandmaster of the Knights of the Lazar- of Lazarus. So I think he does believe Marcus will be ready. We're just having an honest, you know, conversation here, I know, honest debate but, here. But, but I I, but I don't think he would be. Let's be real. I, I don't be thinking. I don't think. Let's be real. I don't think he would be thinking about Gallo Glass in that position at this point. <laughs> I mean, it was just a suggestion because of the way that he said it. That's why I picked up on it. But let's go back to the whole Marcus thing. That let's conversation, be real. Marcus and Phoebe. He, he, not that okay. one yet. He chose Marcus to be the nice of Lazarus because he was leaving, and he said he didn't trust anybody else to do it. But what happens while Marcus is literally in charge because he's the oldest male child of Matthews that's there. He's the head of the Knights of Lazarus, but. Even with all of that, Peter Knox was able to come to set tour, set foot on y'all's land, and kill someone who is basically family at this point, all under your watch. And I realized that that was not something Marcus planned, and it wasn't anything he could really control. But if you're looking at it just from like Matthew's standpoint, it's like I left you in charge once and this is what happened. Why would I leave you in charge of my whole family, including my two children? I just don't I just don't know if Marcus is ready for all of that yet. If it came down to it, not saying that Gallo Glass would be either, because we see that when things get rough, Gallo Glass leaves. He left France after his father got killed and didn't return for 400 years, you know? So I'm not saying that that will be the case. I'm just saying that it was kind of, you know, it's just something I picked up on. But, you know. So now we can go to Phoebe and Marcus's conversation. Oh, look, what do we need to talk about? Phoebe's like... When she, she, she is being Bella in this. She's like, um, excuse me, when am I getting turned? She's like, keep avoiding me. When is this happening? And he was like, when? She was like, yeah, that's why I told you we need to have a talk. And my thinking is, so has Marcus, like, I know that Marcus is probably not going to say to her, yes, I wish you would be a vampire so we could be together forever because he is a typical vampire. Vampires feel like they're damned. They feel like they should not be living those you know, unnaturally long lives. They respect, especially Marcus. Marcus respects humanity. He, you know, he actually wishes he could be human. But I'm like, 
So have y'all had that kind of serious talk about your relationship? Like, okay, so yeah, we're together and I've brought you into all the vampire politics, but has he had that? Like, I don't even know if they can have the conversation about mating with a human, but I mean, y'all breaking all the rules anyway, so might as well have that conversation. So I'm just wondering, has it gone to that level to where Marcus was like, oh, yeah, I would marry you if I was human or whatever. She's like, hey, I have an idea. And Marcus is like, um, I don't know, you know, but ain't no discussion. Phoebe's like, when and where? When and how? Who? Because that would be my question. Like, okay, you can't turn me because you have blood rage gene. Matthew can't turn me. Jack can't turn me. Isabel can't turn me. That's pretty much all the vampires you know, except for Miriam. And I don't know if Miriam would do that. So it's kind of like, that's going to be an interesting conversation. Fernando. Fernando could. Would he want to, though? That's the thing. Because I think you can't just walk up to a vampire and just be like, okay, I want you to, I want you to turn me into a vampire. Because basically you take on the responsibility for that person because you are now, for all intents and purposes, their parent. You are the one who will guide them as they transition into this new life. And you'll be the one to teach them how to manage their cravings, how to not kill humans and whatever else it is that you learn as a vampire. It can't be anyone in the Claremont family because remember, Unlike most vampires, in this world, when you create a vampire, you literally give them your DNA. So she can't be made by anyone from the Claremonts because then she would technically be Marcus's cousin. Yeah, we, we mm. talked about that well, Fernando, already. But well, Fernando was I, made it to you. He wasn't. He right. Was, Fernando is not. not yeah. But but it has it it has to, from what I understand. It has to be somebody outside of the Claremont family completely. Because remember, there's a sister we haven't seen, which we probably won't see, and they have to be sponsored a year of the uh, I don't think they're even gonna I don't I don't even think they're gonna bring that into this storyline if that's the case. Yeah. Okay, all right. Because that's too much explaining they have to do and they can't do all of that in two episodes. Well, yeah, unless we get the spinoff. Of course. And I still don't think it would. I I still don't think they would do that in the show because maybe it makes sense in the book because you can see other things. But for a show, show watchers are going to be like, wait, so she's already been with this dude for at this point now has to be over a year. So she's already been with this dude for over a year. And then, like I said, you're going to convert me and make me a vampire. And then I have to be on my own for a year while y'all decide whether I'm worthy to be in this family. Middle finger. No, no, she's not. She's not going to be. She's not on her own. She actually is going to be living with other family. She just has to live with the family for a year and a day, like a mm-hmm. fasting. And then she has to. Let me tell you something. If I decide to give up my human life to go be with this man. Ain't no way in hell I'm going to go live with somebody else's family for a year while all the... No, absolutely not. I think we've had this discussion. <laughs> okay. Absolutely not. Okay, okay, okay. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll give it to you. It's a little bit more complicated than we... Than, than absolutely we okay. not. I'll give you Would that. not happen. 
whatnot. Anthony, what does that look on your face? <laughs> oh, I, I still say Fernando was a good choice. I mean, he's not, he he's not a declare out by blood. He was declare out by, and he hadn't even been a part of the family. Because they didn't accept him. So, so who better? And, and, then and also, it would be good for him. And for her, too. And for her. Mm-hmm. Because if he can teach Matthew how to control blood rage, then he can teach her whatever she needs to know about becoming a vampire. That's just how I feel. I mean, if you look at Fernando and the way he is with everybody, like, he is the person... I feel like he is the Zen in the whole family. He's the one that can get people talking. Think about how hostile Sarah was after all of that stuff when they went to go stay with him. She was hostile. She was mad. Fernando connected with her, became her friend. And you see she's a lot. You know, I know that there are other factors that contribute to the way she is now. But I think Fernando was a very big part of that. You know, he took care of her when nobody else was. And he seems to me to have that kind of spirit, like even with the whole gallow glass thing, like he has never once fussed at gallow glass. Like, I can't believe you went and fell in love with her knowing that he's never been like that. He has been empathetic, sympathetic, compassionate and caring, just like a parent should be, you know, and and you just see him like that with everybody. So, yeah, he would be the I think he would be the perfect choice to turn her. But um, yeah, that whole one year and what? No, I'm not giving up my humanity. And then y'all still got to sit here and oh, we're gonna wait. No, absolutely. Oh, and and Diana has to fix everything too before anybody tries to side her. Right yeah. now. Yeah. So. But um, we got all three pages of the book, and we saw from the preview that she is going back to the bot to see if she can call up Ashmore 782 again. So that's going to be interesting because you know Peter Knox is going to be looking for her, especially if he figured out that TJ had the page and gave it to Diana. He's going to be looking for her. He's going to be stalking her. And I'm sorry, Peter don't want that smoke either. Definitely not. I want him to try, though. He has to try. I would love to see him try because I just want to see the end result of it. Like, I I want you to see him made fully impotent of power, like nothing. Even even the black ball ain't going to help you. Yes, I used that word on purpose. I did. But I want to see it happen. He he deserves no less at this point. So. Mm. Mm. Did we forget anything? I think we covered everything. I can't think of anything. Anybody got final thoughts? We only have two episodes left. I'm still like, I'm still trying to wrap my brain around that. Like, I feel like that's not right. There's too much left, Hanako. I'm serious. Those last episodes had better be 60 to 65 minutes because what they need to do in episode six and episode seven and how they need to wrap everything up I would be amazed if they have enough time to do it. I mean, I really, they're going to be really pressed. If I think they're going to go the way I think they're going, they're going to have to really, as they say, hustle 
Okay. To get everything. Yeah, something tells me because I can't think. There was another there was another TV show before that um was kind of like a 10 episode season and then when you looked at like IMDb or something they only had like the eight episodes. So I was like, "Wait, there's only eight and then like later on they added the other two." So I'm wondering, I am hoping fingers crossed that that is what they're going to do with this one. Because if we only have two episodes left of this show that we have all been like such a huge fan of for the last three years, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, I'm sorry. The, the answer to the question is it's only seven because that's what was released on Sky. That's what my, that was my thing. If you check Sky 1, what does Sky 1 get? It's only, it's only seven. I'm not happy. I was going to say Hanukkah. I haven't seen that look in a long time. Hanukkah is not happy. <laughs> Those of you listening, the look on Hanukkah's face. You are shortchanging oh us. I have not seen that look How y'all going to give us only That's <laughs> You know what, though? Game of Thrones did that bullshit, too. Mm-hmm. Don't even go there. They went from 10 Don't episodes a season to 8. To six, don't so six. don't even go there. Last season, I'm gonna pretend it didn't exist. Again. <laughs> she is not happy. <laughs> All I'm saying, Mike. See, you you haven't you haven't journeyed far enough in Game of Thrones to understand that we're upset oh, about the last season. I, I'm sure oh, he I has read enough online because I, yeah, I realize yeah because it's been what now three four years. Yes, because I'm still pissed that they broke me with a certain episode in season six. That's almost, no, five, I'm sorry, season five. They broke me, and I'm still not over it. I'm just saying. Anthony's sitting there trying to figure out what episode it is. I think I know what episode it is, but we'll, we'll just, yeah. <laughs> but, hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll talk to you later. I you have. Know, you know which one it is. I have problems. <laughs> Anyway, before See, here's I- the problem. <laughs> here's the problem. We need for them, and I'll be make it short. We need for them to come up off of whatever they're sitting on and say, "Hi, Time Covenant Discovery Witches spinoff is coming." Dot 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 this summer, and then we're good. They have to give us a sequel. They have to give us a spinoff. That's all my say. That's all my take. I agree. I agree. So before I go off on another 30 minute rant about how we should be getting more. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, this Benjamin Matthew fight should be interesting. I mean, I'm interested to see how much how much Matthew holds back, if any, because I think he's probably going to need to go full bloodlust to actually handle Benjamin. I kind of feel that way as well. So, yeah. Then I'm also wondering if somehow Jack gets involved and either and something happens to either him or Matthew. You, you know, I feel like in a way that kind of needs to happen just for Jack to get some closure because you can see it in this episode. Jack is so hard on himself because of what Benjamin has done to him and, and made him to be. And I kind of feel like he needs that for the closure, but I also feel like he's probably okay. going to be more focused on protecting his little brother and little sister. I feel like Jack is anxious to step in front of 
a moving train to prove that he can stop it. Because, I mean, he's so anxious to protect someone. He's, like, anxious to kill somebody if they offend the family or if they come for somebody. He's like, I'll kill him. He's he's really anxious to step in front of a train to prove that he can stop it. And but I don't think he needs to. I, I think I don't if think he, he needs to either. I just, I'm just saying that he feels like he needs to in order to prove himself to others. But the thing is, he doesn't need to prove himself to anybody, especially not to Matthew or Diana. It's right. like he doesn't need to prove himself, but he still feels the need because of all he's done to prove that he's worthy of their love and everyone else's forgiveness. And that's something that he has and that's really going to be really hard for him to get rid of. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see what's going to happen over these two final episodes. I can guarantee if if something happens to Matthew or Jack, I'm going to experience emotional damage. That's it for our show. You can find us online at www.phantomhybrid.com. We are on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Phantom Hybrid. You can watch our videos on YouTube and listen to us on all major podcast streaming platforms. Thanks for listening. We hope you join the conversation next time.